Welcome spooks and spirits, ghouls and ghosts. Take a seat around the campfire. But beware, this podcast is haunted. Well, it is time for our final episode. Yay! <laughs> uh, welcome everyone. We're going to get right right into it because we've been talking nonsense off, off of air for a while and it's time to actually start doing the thing do the thing yeah so today uh, we are very very excited to introduce our guest uh, dr jillian kenny dr kenny is a social historian of the middle ages with an interest in society's outsiders both living and dead she has researched at the center for gender and women's studies in trinity college dublin uh, we are so so excited to have you here to talk about all things creepy and spooky. It's Welcome, true. Dr. Jillian Kenny. Yay! Thank you very much and delighted to be here. We are, uh, yeah, delighted to be connecting across the pond and through Zoom. Everyone's a medium of choice right now. Except for Jen, you and I get to be in the same room for once. Yeah, well, for the first time we are in the same room since this all started. Right. We don't yeah. have to talk about this anymore. It's We're, fine. This is Easy lockdown. Amazing. Yes. Dr. Jillian Kenny, why don't you tell us a little about uh, about yourself? Uh, okay, so I am a medieval historian and uh, my main speciali- specialization was in medieval women. Um, that's how I started um, when I was a student a million years ago uh, in an Irish university looking for a project for my postgrad. It, it was shown to me and it occurred to me that there wasn't enough um, history done on women in, in medieval Ireland. Um, mm. So I started off doing that. And then because I did women, I ventured into areas such as, you know, contraception, abortion, into magic, because, of course, there were women involved in that, uh, into legal history, and then into women who were outsiders, like prostitutes, like uh, priests' wives. There were a lot of them. <laughs> uh, monks' wives as well. Yeah. Oh, um, oh that yeah, just passed through my brain about what that actually, like the ramifications of that. Yeah. Because uh, over, you know, I was raised Protestant. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, they all have wives. No, they don't. Yeah. No, they don't. <laughs> well, you know, they tell you they're not supposed to uh, mm. in the Catholic. Uh, so the, the idea of Catholicism in medieval Ireland was mm, quite a loose one. Um, there was the church, the Gaelic church, which was the church in the Gaelic kingdoms, which hadn't been conquered by the English and the English church, which accorded more with what you find in Western Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in that in that West, in that English church, you weren't you know, supposed to have a wife or mm. uh, a concubine or anything like that. But in the Irish church, it was it was um, deemed odd if you're a priest and you didn't have a wife and they recorded a certain level of respect. And um, there were monks who would pass on their abbots, who would pass on their abbacies to their sons and all kinds of stuff. Monks, uh, priests and nuns having babies and all kinds of madness. It's only quite recent, of course, that the church has cracked down hard uh, on on priests marrying really about from the 16th century in Ireland uh, so there's quite a long tradition so I looked at women who were like that and then that kind of led out um, so I began to get really interested in outsiders in in people who weren't accepted in medieval society so say for example Jewish people uh, Muslims especially after crusades black people how they were represented uh, across Western literature and art uh, within Ireland Gaelic Irish people how they were excluded 
from from the polity in, in Ireland at the time. Uh, and that led me on to loads of kind of really interesting stuff. And then there's also, of course, a whole branch of of interest in, in those who are deemed outsiders, even in death. So people who, you know, died, had deaths that were not the ideal medieval death and then came back. Uh, as what we would now probably term zombies, oh. um, so they were revenants, yeah, and they came back from the dead. And there's there's vampires, and there's there's werewolves. There's all kinds of folk history, uh, and 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 you know, written accounts across Europe from about the 10th century onwards. Um, and then further back, there's Greek and Roman accounts of werewolves and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, what I'm interested in is where kind of history and, and folklore often intersects and what that has to say about those outsiders that are represented, I suppose. This is it's like we custom ordered you. <laughs> and oh, you right. Were just OK. Out there in the universe waiting for us. I'm just interested in weird shit. That's basically what my bio is. Yeah. What's up, homegirl? Same. <laughs> I, had, I had this uh, revelation before when we were talking to uh, Dr. Jeanette Laredo mm-hmm. about how fascinating it is that like I growing up in you know, academia was always just under the impression of like, oh, there's there's only really, you know, certain accepted subjects that you can study and, you know, they're kind of boring and straightforward. And, I, you know, I, I'm a historian. And so, like, I appreciate, you know, like other sides of history. Um, but, like, I was still kind of, like, foolishly under the assumption that, like, <laughs> people, academics didn't study, like, the, this weird shit. That, like, my interest in it was just kind of, like, I have to put it aside. And right. I couldn't, like make it my official thesis subject. <laughs> so I am so amazed and like interested in like what you do and study. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, I think that's quite true until quite fairly, fairly recently, actually. Um, I, you know, I mean, what the last 30 years or so people have been kind of looking, especially at outsiders um, with a lot of interest and, and a lot of scholarly interest in things like say deviant uh, burials and what they mean. Um, you know, I mean, because of course, um, when you do find a deviant burial, the, the 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 really interesting thing for me is 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 what what did that mean? What who was that person, and why were they buried in in that particular way? So a deviant burial is one where they're not buried according to the funeral rites of the day, the funerary rites. So for example, you'll find people buried face down, which is interesting because oh. you're supposed to lie on your back because your your soul comes out of your mouth. Um, in kind of medieval belief and, and goes leaves leaves your body so you're kind sure. of trapped if you're a deviant burial and um, they've often been found with stones on them as well uh, you know they've been buried kind of the wrong way round not facing east to west as you should for mm. resurrection and oh. um, they've been found with their tongues cut out there's this kind of there's all kinds of interesting ways in which people have been buried we I came across a couple what sparked my interest was I was doing research on uh, women and magic and their use of magic in medieval Ireland and there was a couple of burials from the fifth and sixth centuries uh, CE you know in common era and they were women and they were middle-aged women so I'm immediately sympathetic obviously (laughs) they were middle-aged women and they were they were not Irish the the test carried out on the on the grave seemed to um uh, show a, a British identity hmm. um, they were buried with unusual um, uh, funerary offerings so the idea was well one of the theories was that these women were, were sort of were sort of buried as spirits of the land as custodians to stay there 
yeah, that they would be trapped there, but they would they would also be protectors of their their people's land. So they came from, say, Britain for whatever reason, could have been marriage, could have been something else. And then they were sort of whether they were, were, you know, whether they died of natural causes or not, they were interred in such a way that kept them on the land. So they stayed there. And then there was another one where a younger woman appears to have been buried alive, which is obviously appalling. But again, it's that idea of trapping the spirits. Um, So so your land is protected. And that's a really old idea because I don't know if you know bog bodies in in Europe. Yeah. Oh, but just in case anybody else does it. Sorry, I I was thinking very selfishly there. (laughs) We know. (laughs) (laughs) What would you tell us briefly about that? So, um, so what you find with bog bodies are they are bodies that are buried in, in uh, you know, marshy conditions, which have preserved them. But in the Irish uh, example, which is examples, which is what I'm familiar with, they're often, interestingly, on the borders of kingdoms. And some of them have suffered the tripartite death, which is it's a death in three parts. You get killed three times. Yeah, it's really some of them. Yeah, it's it's the ve- it's a very kind of ancient ritual way of of being killed. So you are hung, you are drowned, and then you are given a blow. Oh my so the- god! Yeah. yeah so it, in yeah. each of those instances, is you? I mean, you die at the first one, right? And the rest are symbolic. Well, un- I mean, unknown. Yeah, <sighs> I mean, maybe you'd hope. Um, right. But yeah. you know they could have been kept uh, kept just enough alive. But uh, the idea is that they're ritual sacrifices and that they are very senior figures within within the society, like nobles, royalty, really? and again, yeah, yeah, a lot of the bog bodies, yeah, and uh, and that they are uh, interred in these marshy areas, partly because uh, it was it, it was thought that they would be ancestral spirits guarding because they're at the borders. So why why would you have them there if it's not for that? But also, uh, water is seen as a very anything watery, marshy is seen in the Middle Ages as a very liminal space. Sure. Um, so it's seen as a border between life and death. So you'd be caught there. Um, you wouldn't be able to move on, um, you know, if it's that way. Or sometimes also as well, uh, it was a way of, of keeping people trapped um, because they used to get rid of suicides by throwing them into rivers <sighs> in the Middle Ages. So you didn't have a proper burial, so you couldn't be uh, resurrected in the last day, um, which is what Catholics believed, Christians right. believed then. Um, so it was like an eternal torment, really. Your spirit was never at rest. Mm. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's appalling, you know, when you read, it's just so, so unbelievably unkind, but it ties in with kind of a, a, a medieval view of the world mm. in, in that sense, in that it was a sin and that you couldn't be buried in consecrated ground. So that, you know, someone who committed suicide was, was considered uh, very much an outside, very much a deviant. Sure. Um, yeah. So they used to do that. Yeah. So it's sh- it's terrible. Um, so yeah. So those kind of deviant burials are really, really interesting, and they 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 take place all over. I mean, you often find as well ones in Europe where they put stones in the mouth as well. Again, that's that's <laughs> to it's block the soul to, from exiting. Yes, to block it. You know. Um, and they would often do things like. I mean, this is appalling. <laughs> Everyone listening is going to be like, we're here. Christ, the Middle Ages is just all. I mean, I, I'm not making excuses for them, but I mean, it's, you know, this is the worldview. So um, if in some places, if an unbaptized baby died, they would bury it in a very remote place and stake it so it wouldn't come back. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. What was the concern about it coming back? 
Um, okay, so the primary objective for many medieval people was to have a good death. And a good death is one where you uh, make your peace with uh, God. Um, you make your peace with society by doing a proper will. And you, you go, you, you go gently into the dark nights. And that's a good death. Uh, all your civil matters are, are settled and so are your spiritual ones. If you didn't have a good death, if you had a sudden death, then there was the fear that you would come back because you had unfinished business. So that's where you get a lot of the tales of revenants coming back because a lot of the stories, you get a lot of stories of the undead, mainly centered, interestingly, around uh, Northwestern Europe. Okay, so um, so Northwestern Europe's got lots of uh, stories about revenants. Um, and a lot of them, uh, a lot of it started, uh, a lot of it's Icelandic. And there's also lots from England as well. There's stories written by monks in the 11th and 12th centuries, which are, are you, you can access them online, actually, all about people coming back from the dead. And quite a few of them had very violent deaths. They were, you know, uh, maybe um, from the upper echelons who, who died violently in battle. And they would come back because they'd unfinished business. One of them some ordinary bloke came back and kept trying to go to bed with his wife, which is obviously, yeah, really upsetting. <laughs> ah. <laughs> kept trying to climb in beside her, which obviously she wasn't particularly keen on. But there's loads of these stories about about the undead, about people coming back, and it's a proper fear for medieval people. They 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 were properly afraid that if you died a bad death, you would come back and try to do your I mean there's another one I mean some of them are really quite harmless there's another one where a baker comes back and keeps trying to help his wife maintain the business oh so, I know they're not all bad do you know what yeah. I mean yeah. right uh, yeah and there's some of them which are talking about you know these particularly kind of uh, violent individuals coming back and attacking other people Hmm. Um, you don't get like flesh eating or any of that stuff, but the, their violence continues with them into the into this this reanimated period. Um, so when you say reanimated, what I'm picturing with these stories is like the spirit coming back, like a you know sort of translucent. Oh, like a ghost. Yes. Yeah. No, is it's that... the real person. <laughs> oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah. No, there's a, that's a whole. There's a whole. I mean, there are ghost stories. Sure. Uh, there are ghosts, yeah. There but are this ghost is stories. something separate. These this is a tales. zombie, basically. Yeah, this is a reanimated corpse. Amazing. Yeah, they're all over. The, yeah, the folklore <laughs> of Western Europe. So, uh, so there's an interesting um, point to it in that um, in in medieval thought. So when you when you died, um, you had like a little period in which your your flesh was still not quite dead. I mean it's a bit like in the Princess Bride and he's, <laughs> he's only he's like he's he's only yeah he's almost dead. He's not quite dead. Deader, yeah. yeah. So it's like that. So you had a, you had a little bit of a window before your flesh started to kind of putrefy. And that's the danger point. That's when you could come back uh, as a as uh, I don't know, as some kind of, you know, crazy uh, voodoo baker who right. <laughs> uh, didn't want his business going down the tubes and was like, mate, I'll come back and help you. I'll help my missus. <laughs> but there's two schools of thought, you see. So the, the clerics, the, the literary kind of elites, said that the reanimation was due to a demon. Okay. That a demon climbed into the shell because mm. um, your soul went, bye, and your soul, I mean, it didn't go straight to heaven because no one did. Right. Your soul went to like purgatory and went through all that. Um, so the demon came in and then the demon would, you know, 
do awful stuff and then you'd have to stop the demon so that's mm. that's one idea but the other idea is like the popular culture idea and you, you never get that coming through there it's just the person comes back but it seems to be mainly if they have if they have something to do or if they were just so unbelievably unpleasant that they couldn't they couldn't break off doing their shit even in the afterlife if they sure. were just used to like torturing and raping and robbing people they were like oh, i'm coming back i miss it so they come back <laughs> do you know what i mean i don't want heaven don't die. so <laughs> miss a bit of torture yeah i miss killing people i miss it so they they'd come back and you'd be like in your village going oh great he's he's dead you know and then next of all he's there and he's you know a bit disgusting because oh. he's even you know, worse than he was yeah yeah there's, there's one story where a woman meets one i mean this is all really odd stuff she meets one and then she like he's he says to her can i come home with you what and she went yeah okay and carried him on her back and her 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 fingers were digging into his like putrefying flesh i mean it's really vile stuff it's like Bleh. so yeah and then you know so so people had to take action then so you've got loads of these tales i mean they're like hero tales where like two boys in the village you know finally stood up to the monster and cut his head off and so you so the thing is that they'll cut their head off and put it between their legs and you get deviant burials like that so probably what they're trying to do is if someone had died if you if you see something like that and someone had died in an unexpected way they're trying to preempt the monster bit by going mm. i'm gonna cut off his head now yeah right. and then he won't come back yes so you get a lot of that you know you get a lot of a lot of that with with them doing that or staking them so they won't come back and then know? so if if it was a demon you're basically making the body not usable yeah uh, if you've you cut off the head burn them burning them is another one as well oh sure yeah. i so you probably you find fewer it. of those though because bodies don't leave a whole lot behind right yeah, well, this, well, I mean, the problem is if you burn the body, right, if the body won't get resurrected uh, come Judgment Day. So that's, that's an issue because the soul is then without a body. There's another school of thought that said, though, that, that um, what, what was animating the corpse was, were, were like disembodied spirits that were like floating about okay. and, and looking for somewhere to go into. So that's that ghost idea as well. I mean, the Middle Ages has got loads of ghost stories as well, but they're not ghost stories like we know them. You know, they're not really designed to frighten the life out of you. They're designed as little kind of lessons. Mm. So they'll be like X haunted his village because he, you know, didn't pay back his debts to the local miller and then once the debts were paid back then he was at rest once someone took notice of the ghost and the ghost said give the miller two shillings will you and they went yeah and then he crack on off to the next life so yeah they're little kind of exemplar they're little oh this is how you have to live your life you have mm -hmm. to have a good death and you have to settle all your debts and then you can move on smoothly into the next part of you know the afterlife which is in stages mm -hmm. yeah so that's yeah there's loads of that stuff i mean masses of it um i mean you see bits i i think it's interesting when you see it in popular culture but that's like a i mean there's there's little elements in there of the original stories but not not much else like the, the, there's a lot of werewolf stuff which is which is made up and the original stuff isn't isn't really like that at all you know the original the original werewolf stories are very interesting i mean there's there's a so there's a whole werewolf trial frenzy which starts in about the 16th century and it seems to center on people who are you know um 
kind of madly killing children, quite a lot of it. And there's all horrible accounts of finding kids' corpses in forests and blokes standing over them with blood dripping from them and stuff like that. So there's an issue there around, you know, and then uh, one of the most famous trials concerns someone who was deemed, I mean, even in the Middle Ages, well, 16th century, was deemed um, of not sound mind and was sent basically to a monastery and, and not put to death because he was, you know, he was so vulnerable. So quite a lot of these stories as well may well have been made up by vulnerable people. They would have been accused of stuff, of murders. There might not even be any bodies or anything, but because they were vulnerable, they'd admit to them and then be put to death. You might not even ever have a trail of murder. It was just the idea of werewolves was so powerful in the 16th century in some areas of Europe that you actually had people confessing to it. But that's the same in the witchcraft trials. There were people confessed stuff that never happened. So it's the same kind of idea. And the same time period? Uh, yeah, well, si- 16th century on, yeah, okay. in Europe, yeah. Um, the European witch trials, I mean, there's, um, they start earlier. There's various instances. There's a famous one in Ireland in the early 14th century, around 1324. And that's the first witch trial where a witch is accused of having a, a, a familiar who's the devil okay. and of having sex with him. Her name wow. is Alice Kettler. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so much lore again, is built on that. Yeah, it was re- it's a really important witch trial. Um, it, what's important about it as well is it's a clash between the Anglo-Irish who are the the descendants of the original settlers who came to Ireland and the the, the English the English in, in London who wanted to interfere. The Anglo-Irish were basically saying, no, bog off, we'll run our country as we want. So it's the Alice Kettler trial is basically a clash between an English bishop um, and the Anglo-Irish who are English who've been living in Ireland for hundreds of years and have been to a certain extent Gaelicized. So it's about that. It's about politics, but it's also completely bonkers. So she had a black familiar who was called Robin Artisan. Um, he had a name. Of course he did. And uh, he would shapeshift, which is another thing. Um, but what's interesting as well with that trial is, um, and again, you know, for the kind of greater cultural understanding is, bad things in the middle ages were black so he's mm-hmm. a tall black man um you know um, we're living in a period where people are becoming more and more aware of ingrained racism but it's actually much older than than we we think or that many people think it's it's hundreds and hundreds of years of it being inculcated in in western society which is you know been exported around the world so yeah she had a black uh, black lover and um she would would you know go and do her witchcraft supposedly she poisoned her husbands the funny thing is though she probably did poison her husbands <laughs> she had about four of them and she made a fortune yeah oh so she probably did because one of them said one of them had um symptoms of arsenic poisoning yes hair fell out and his nails fell out and she had this amazing like chest which she wouldn't let anyone open yeah okay so she probably did murder them let's be honest but folklore's grown up around her so she escaped and then she shapeshifted, according to folklore. She escaped to England and shapeshifted to become an, a large serpent, which apparently still lives under the streets of London. So, oh my God, how bizarre is that? Yeah. Isn't that so weird? I don't. I wouldn't like to come across her though. She's pretty ruthless. I'm just yeah. saying. No, you it's not for the tube me. And see a giant slithering snake with an Irish accent. You'd be like, what? <laughs> I do I'm think like, Alice, I love you. I think you're innocent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't hurt me. I think it's interesting, though. I feel like we tend to just kind of like victimize uh, the women who are accused of witchcraft and be like, no, no, they're innocent. But it sounds like she 
kind of deserved it. Oh, she was definitely. <laughs> I mean, come on. Poor husbands, give me a break. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I know men it? die quicker then, but Jesus Christ. Right. And one of them was like, I'm so ill, my hair's falling out. And it's like, well, all the right. nails With is her especially special... telling. Yeah, the nails did. I mean, yes. it's her special box of herbs. She's like, should I fix you a drink, dear? Yeah, right. So, uh, yeah, there's, you, there's all kinds of... Yeah, Alice was a shapeshifter, but that's kind of one of the one of the earlier um, ideas about werewolves is that they're shapeshifters. Um, you know, there's a family of Irish werewolves, uh, which is quite famous uh, back in the day. Uh, they were called the Werewolves of Ossery. Ossery was a kingdom kind of in the east to central region of Ireland. Is that related and- to the word bone? Like bone, ossery, ossuary. Oh is... no, no! Okay. It's just an English translation of an Irish name. Uh, okay. good, yeah, good link though. I tried. Um, yeah, that's me. That's good. I've never thought of that before. No, they were a, a family. They were werewolves uh, because of the curse of a saint. They would turn into werewolves, but people weren't. Mm, how, they weren't the kind of werewolves we're used to in popular culture now. So they would turn into werewolves, but they were kind of noble. Um, you know, they were and, and they spend the only instance, I think, in literature where werewolves speak, where they're in the form of a wolf and they speak. There's a, a story about, a, I think it's a priest going through a forest who comes across a, a male wolf who speaks to him and says, can you give um, my, my wife um, last, you know, uh, last parents, the last rites. The were, so werewolves back in the day were seen as kind of noble. Um, as as not so much to be afraid of in in a lot of instances, this particular crowd of werewolves in Ireland, they they were cursed. So that's what happened to them. They used to change into werewolves for seven years at a time and then back again. Um, and then a priest came and gave a female werewolf last rites and spoke to the male werewolf. And that's where we think is the only instance of werewolves actually speaking in a human voice but the other instances of werewolves are things well they call werewolves things like berserkers in in viking lore yeah yes. so they they're like shapeshifters in in the ferocity that they come out with and then there's quite a lot of stuff on werewolves in iceland as well iceland appears to have been quite a very strange place in the middle ages there's a lot I, of very odd stories about iceland yeah i mean I'm so many of iceland's like weird stories just permeate to their presence like they rebuild roads to not go through fairy lands oh ireland does that as well do they yeah yeah there's a famous instance of that in ireland not so long ago in ireland is a uh, a man called eddie lenehan who's what's called a shanaki which is a storyteller and he apparently has a hotline to the fairies as you do but the interesting thing is in the irish in the irish fairy tradition so the fairies are the she and they are not in any way mm, pleasant really they are mm, they are they're nice to you if you're respectful of them but if you in any way piss them off i mean they just don't stop so you keep on the good side of them so for example you used to people used to put out um, food for them Uh, they like bread Yeah, yeah things like that so they put that out but if you're building a house and I know people in Ireland who've done this quite recently. You stake out a house and you do your uh, lines and you leave a gap uh, between one, one part of the stake lines and the back, say the front and the back. So you leave a gap in the front stake line and a gap in the back. And that's the fairy line. So if they approve of that, your stakes won't get knocked over and you can build a house 
like that, but you have to give them a little passageway. I mean, I actually know someone who did that, which is, you know, mind boggling. So yeah, so the Irish she are, they're, they're like human sized and um, they they live in the brew, which are the big Stone Age, uh, Stone Age kind of um, Neolithic tombs. They're supposed to live in some of them. But anyway, uh, they uh, have a meeting point, I think is the story in, I think it was Munster, the southern part of Ireland, where they would meet up and have a, have a battle, as you do. Not much else going on. <laughs> hey, we're gonna, what are you going to do? Fairies don't have tellies in the brew. No Netflix. Do you know what I mean? Um, so they're like, what will we do? Uh, have a fight. Um, so Eddie Lenehan, they were going to build a road, one of these big massive roads they've built all over Ireland now. They were going to build a road and go through this bush, which marks the meeting points where the fairies meet. And Eddie Lenehan got so incensed. He was like, no, you can't do this. If you do this, the fairies will never stop. They will, And, and he put up loads of little protests and, and uh, some of the people working on it then said, I'm not going to break, I'm not going to knock down the bush. So they built the road and it goes in a straight line and then it goes around this big tree and then it goes straight on and they have to change it because popular protests yeah i mean it's interesting it's it's what's kept irish um irish antiquity safe because Mm. people are like don't go in there it's a fairy fort hey whatever it takes oh of course yeah Yeah. wow that's a very good use for enchantment you yeah, know, like don't go in there. Yeah, yeah, there's fairies. Yeah, so you don't. Just well, people don't knock anything. them over. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, for anything. Don't you go know, in like, my garden. It's full yeah. of fairies. Yeah. Wow. I that's I'd never considered that before. Yeah. Well, it's oh. useful. I mean, yeah, it's just been really useful. You know, for hundreds of years, thousands of years. That's why Ireland is full of old stuff because people didn't knock it down because they. Well, they were shitting themselves in case some kind of feral, otherworldly creature right. came and attacked them in the middle of the night, kind uh, of thing. Yeah, we well, should yeah. have more of that. We should have more fear and respect. Uh, man, <laughs> do, you mean, do you know what? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's not. I don't know. I mean, it's. I don't. There's bad stuffs happen from it. I mean, there used to be the idea of changelings. Mm. Yes, which I'm sure you know. And then children of left course, out. Was, yeah, and then there was. Well, I mean, there was. This, uh, story you know well 100 or so years ago Bridget Cleary was burned to death by her husband because he thought she was a changeling oh so yeah I mean idiots you know run run with it but uh yeah so it can it can end badly yeah uh, as it were yeah so yeah there's uh there's there's a lot of um yeah there's uh, werewolves I was back to werewolves werewolves are originally not what you'd think they are but they can be they can be shapeshifters it can be men put on wolf pelts and change into wolves but it's associated a lot in the earlier period with warriors and it's not even associated with being bitten i mean it is in a few instances you find it in that 16th century kind of spread of trials some of them say they were bitten but there's no kind of you don't you don't see them acting so much like wolves physically like ripping out throats and stuff i mean they're they're cannibalizing because they're eating their victims but there's no real descriptions of them acting there's no none of that thing you get in modern days where the the face turns into a snout and stuff Mm. like that and there's also the idea as well in in earlier manifestations of it that people did it as as an out-of-body experience 
So oh. the, it was a spiritual, it was, they, their spirit went into the body of a wolf yeah. and they became that, which is when you read about it, I don't know enough about it, but it strikes me and it could be not, I mean, cause I don't know, but you get representations of native American beliefs like that. It's you often find that, don't you? That That's exactly what I was going to suggest. Yeah. When you're talking about, you know, they're, they're not attacking people. They're quite noble. My first thought was, oh, like, um, that it's very common in, in Northern, uh, America, where there are quite a few wolves, um, you'll find stories where like there's like a spirit connection between a person and an animal, and they can kind of uh, switch in and out of like bodies. I mean, if you need to bring Game of Thrones into it, yes. That's not a strictly Game of Thrones concept. It's not. No, oh. no, I don't think so. Well, there you go. Yeah, like warging. Um, yeah, it's a, it's wow, how cool. Um, there's so many different ideas about werewolves too. And I think it's so interesting that you uh, reference kind of this Scandinavian Viking culture because that's where the term comes from, right? Were means uh, man and then wolf means wolf. Uh, like um, Vikings had the first form of insurance, I'm sure you know. Uh, it was called the Weregeld. If a mm. man, if you yeah. got blood, uh, you drew somebody else's blood, uh, you had to pay a price. You had to pay the Weregeld. Um, so the the, the man money, man money. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, the Irish law codes have it, and they're they're even older. So um, yeah, we, you have an honor price. It's called in the Irish law codes, and it's ascribed to everyone. Um, so yeah, um, you know, it's uh, the Irish law codes were written down about the eighth and ninth centuries, but they're much older. It's a much older body of law because it was remembered orally. But yeah, um, they are. Uh, yeah, werewolf in the laws of Canute is an outlaw. So, uh, and there's lots Canute. of stuff in the Scandinavian countries of um, King Canute. He was uh, one of the uh, earliest kings. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, So yes. There's, lo- there's lots of stuff in the Scandinavian law codes as well about outlaws not being given proper burial as well um, once Christianity came in. So they are, again, again deviants. They are outside the, the accepted norm of society. Yeah. I mean, I think possibly, I mean, I don't know. There's, I mean, how do you get yourself into that frenzy where you're where you basically become in all your attributes a wolf so there's descriptions of what they did and quite a bit of it involves it appears holding your breath <laughs> um but you you work yourself up into a frenzy i mean it, it actually is a thing yeah. um uh, and i mean i don't even want to think about the training that went into getting boys to that kind of state. And also what was really, what I found interesting (laughs) about it was the fact that they were supposed to be really ugly, (laughs) which is really shallow. (laughs) uh, Because you think to yourself, oh, I know, you know, Viking warriors, bit of wolf. Right. Mm, Nice. Uh, And like, I don't know whether they marked themselves or whatever, possibly there could have been some kind of, you know, adornment or marking. Yeah. But apparently they were like, really like like really ugly like jesus stand back um, so, and whether that's, that's also surprising more animalistic do you know what i mean whether yeah. to be yeah. making yourself look more, less human i to be more fierce yeah you if know, you look really terrifying then yeah um, yeah Aztecs that's part, part of the problem isn't it yeah. would shape their heads uh using boards when they were young children yeah. and then they would file their teeth uh mm. the allspice tree um, is grown in Central America and when you would chew on the uh, leaves which I, I was able to do on my honeymoon they were like why would anybody want to chew on these and I was like dental work uh, so they would <laughs> they would file down their teeth so that they looked more terrifying in battle um, so I, I think that makes 
perfect sense if 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 you're a warrior class person mm-hmm. you'd yeah. want to look ugly and terrifying and you might want to and i mean what <sighs> are the chicks gonna say you know right. they have no choice in the matter exactly. that's interesting though that just reminded me of um uh, when when people talk about uh, vampirism which is another kind of subclass which is often mixed up with remnants you know um one of the ideas around why the idea of vampirism came about was because of a disease called porphyria um, and if you have porphyria really bad, you get like lesions around your mouth. And you oh. also, you also, your gums come back from your teeth. Yes. So it makes them look longer. Oh. So it could be that there's something to that, that in these little communities where there wasn't a big gene pool and um, where perhaps porphyria was, was one of the recessive genes in that community that it came out a bit more obviously than it would have in a wider population sample. So you did have... Uh, generationally people who would become worse and worse and would look really odd and very pale and with patches as well they used to get on their skin so they would not look right and you know they had that weird kind of rictus kind of gum thing coming back that weird you know if they smiled you'd see these huge teeth so I mean that's one idea of of where this um where the vampire kind of myth um came from as well you know that that I mean, well, that didn't really take off for the Middle Ages, but you do have this. It's it's often mixed up in the popular imagination because you have revenants who you stake so they don't come and, you know, kill half your village. Right. There isn't that element of, of taking blood. That seems to happen a bit later. Mm-hmm. And the idea was that taking blood caused those sores, which may, may have had poor individuals, have had it through sickness but they were being blamed for stuff you know mm-hmm. so yeah you know it's it's quite interesting thank god we live in a time of science and not fake news ah right uh, yes everything's <laughs> everything's fine now yeah. it's wow. completely everything's fine everything's fine now that would never happen now would it yeah okay <laughs> do you uh, know what i mean yeah um, sure i'd be burnt as a witch in 20 minutes oh they would have gotten me on day one. Oh, 100 percent. i even have a cat who's like white with a blue eye and a green eye who almost speaks I'd be so dead. I'd be ducked in a pond in five seconds here. Well, the worst part is I for sure would float in this body. I'm going to float. Like mm. there's, they oh, have man, to find a cannon. dead either way anyway. Right. <laughs> You've got no chance. Jen, yeah, you 100%. might make it. Go be quietly weird for the rest of us. Yeah, I like, us. The, I like to think that I'd probably be like undercover, which. Right? No, I'm dead. 100%. Yeah, they get 10 me. Minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm so obviously like. When people look at me, they're like, no. Witch. <laughs> Witch, birch. Turn me into oh, a duck. A newt. I'm, Get your quotes newt. right. You're, I'm going to go throw myself in a pond. You're yeah. right. I'm wrong. <laughs> Dear Eric Idle, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Get a duck pig in. Get a duck king. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so there's, lo- I mean, you know, uh, yes, Western Europe is filled with weird shit from time immemorial basically yeah yeah um, this, and this. It, yeah i mean i mean i'm obsessed with iceland but iceland has like an actual like such a long tradition of revenants i mean it's it's quite mad i mean um they have a word for it it's called drauger i mean i'm, I'm not sure whether that i'm even pronouncing it properly that's all right butchering um, words is a fine tradition here. it's fine you know i hope i saw i sadly people i am sorry i will come in person to say sorry soon but you get you get all these stories in the sagas where um there's one of them this shepherd came back to life and and all he kept doing after he came back to life was stamping on people's houses just no 
Just causing a ruckus? Just get off my roof. Yeah, and then uh, they killed him by beheading him and putting his head between his feet, so deviant burial. Um, and then there's another one, which is quite a sweet one, and it's um, a woman called Thorgunna. And she <laughs> she made dinner for people who were taking her corpse away for burial, which is obviously amazing. She's like, well, thanks, guys. Let me just whip She's you She's like, up. listen, before we go, I mean, I'm just going to make you something, a bit of boiled sheep's head or something, whatever we've got here. So do you know what I mean? So they're, they're, they're big for it. And that, that particular saga she's in is just full of zombies. I mean, there's loads of them. You know, there's just loads and loads. I remember being in a class once and people were like, how can people believe this? And I was like, "Mm -hmm." so get on the Internet and look up alien abductions (laughs) and all the rest of it, mate. And then don't laugh at medieval people ever again. Get out of my face. It's hard to understand the world. There were greys in my bedroom. Don't laugh at them. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. we've, We've switched them. We've yeah. gone from seeing the Virgin Mary to seeing space aliens. I mean, that's basically it. Yeah. Right? And who's yeah. to say we weren't seeing the whole thing the whole time, you know? I mean, it's... Aliens dressed as the Virgin Mary. <laughs> Do you know what? I swear, to, in now, I could believe anything now. Honestly. That's exactly how I feel. It's day 2020 with the world in flames. I, I could, you know, I'd believe it, actually. It's entirely mm. possible that they did come down and went, put a veil on. They'll only believe you if you've got a veil on. That's Mine, right. Crack on. <laughs> Yeah, Honestly, here we go. whatever uh, it takes. <laughs> I saw this great your face. Right. Uh, tweet a couple days ago, and it said, um, "You know, the world is such a shady neighborhood now that aliens zoom past in their spaceships and lock the doors." <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a, it's a it's a trash fire. I mean, what is it? I don't even understand what's happening. Now, even I'm sitting here going, Jesus, I used to think the 14th century was the worst one ever. Now I am not so sure. I really <laughs> am not. Crikey, really? We're now, in 2020 and we're still going on about this crap? Okay. Yeah. Do you think if you were given the choice to stay in the present or move to any period of your choice in medieval history, which do you think you'd take? I would stay because I have antibiotics. <laughs> yeah. And home heating. These yeah. are two issues which I, I can't do without them. French fries. That's. <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do? Do you know what I mean? You're going to eat soup for the rest of your life every day. No. no. Um, I used to go to, so I used to go to this conference and um, people used to go to it, used to always dress up as medieval people. That was their thing, whatever. Um, and I remember taking questions one time and this bloke was getting really irate and he was dressed as a hospitaller really odd and he was like why you know why are you so against moving back in time and I was like because I'd already be dead because I would have had babies every year from I was about 18 mate come back and ask me when you know yeah it's it's a slightly different proposition especially for women right because men go oh middle ages game of thrones oh swords and you know oh amazing and you're like mate I'd have been dead from sepsis at 17 honestly a lot of them would have been dead too yeah of course they They were bloody couch potatoes running around shouting about swords stop it (laughs) they all think they're so big like oh yeah i'm uh, I'm really prolific with a sword they would have drowned in a ditch by now (laughs) are you familiar with the medieval death bot Ooh, oh, no. yeah, I follow them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's how I yeah. got to you, actually. <laughs> yeah, amazing. So, they'll give you a death. Yeah, yeah. Every time you tweet them, they'll just give you, like, a historic death. And a lot of them are drowned in ditch. I, yeah. I, I took a medieval history class, and, like, there was one book that we read. 
And everyone, like all the information they had was like, oh, this person drowned in a ditch. This person fell into a well. This person drowned in a ditch. Like it was yeah. all just drownings and ditches. That like, might be what yeah. medieval death bot is. Like just yeah. like a, a selection of that book. Yeah. Was, yeah, there was a lot of people falling into ditches. I think there was a lot of people who stayed probably semi-permanently pissed in the Middle Ages to cope. So might explain it, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I would know I would never ever go back in time. No, I have uh, you know, the internet and um air conditioning somewhere to, uh, well, yeah, I, we don't have it here, but I mean, we I think we're starting to need it because it's you know, it's starting to actually get I say quite warm. It's, you know, whatever, the whole 20 earth degrees here up. and we're all yeah. melting. Um, <laughs> I can't deal with it. It's like a cruelty to have an Irish person this warm. It's really not good. Mm. Um, so, yeah, no, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. I, I'm, I'm fascinated by people who, who do look upon it romantically um, and who sort of infantilize it. And you, you get a bit of it sometimes and people are like, you know, I'll sometimes tweet about, um, I'll say something about, you know, medieval people's belief in, you know, particular types of um, contraception or whatever like that. I mean, they, they were thinking about it. They, they knew there was some kind of link. They didn't really know between certain foodstuffs and, you know, and, and people will sometimes say, oh, how could they be that stupid? And it's like, it's not a question of that. They were exactly the same as us, but they're presented with a certain worldview and a certain amount of facts. And then they, they make their own way with it, you know, so... So which um, foods did they think would provide contraception? Sorry, contraception is oh, one of my favorite things to talk about. <laughs> oh, really? Well, uh, I, yeah, I think anybody who has a uterus and understands the politics of having a uterus uh, is is going to be interested in contraception because like the things that our foremothers went through are just wild to me. So yeah. feel free, just... Oh, well, um, yeah, I, I, wrote a, I wrote an article on it a while ago, actually. Um, so... Um, there was so there's what, what interests me about it is the fact that it's often tied in to women's magical practices uh good women as herbalists would so uh, so they were often like a local midwife would often also be responsible for helping women who didn't want to get pregnant yes uh so for example uh, something like queen anne's lace i mean mm. um which you don't know whether you know of it's a particular type of plant we have but it, it grows too. Do you have it there? But it's, it was still being used in some Southern American states in the 60s as a, as a tincture, to, to, as a contraceptive use. Did it work? Because good for um, You know what? It works if you take it in like massive quantities. Yeah. Um, and, and all of these kind of herbal remedies do. So the, what, they don't, the, what they don't do is work in the quantities that were taken by right. women. Um, um, and some of them are not so much contraceptives as abortifacients. So they would, they would get rid of a developing embryo um you know some sometimes they use those stuff like nightshade so that's really really dangerous yeah you'd have to use it in really tiny amounts um but what i find interesting about it is the fact that it is sort of it's very difficult to to trace what what was used you can what what we find is is you find it in uh, manuals written by men um by monks interestingly there's a few there's a few examples of that one of the popes, when he when he wasn't pope, actually wrote a manual on it as well. Talked about what could be used for contraception, but it's also bound up with magic. So it's part of a whole ritual. So, for example, um, you might take. I think one of them was something like you you know you boil daffodil leaves, and and you drink it. Um, but then you also have to say certain prayers, and within those prayers that they used in in, in kind of magical practice, you sometimes find even older words like Egyptian or Hebrew words. And it's all kind of a weird mishmash that's come down over hundreds of years. 
that's just developed into a whole system of trying trying to help trying to have using, like a little bit of control over your life trying to have exactly mm-hmm. a little bit of control and it was often it was often women who kind of ran that particular kind of show and and tried to control their fertility um most of the time it wouldn't have worked right and um, because there was no real there's no real proper medical qualities to to what they were taking but i mean obviously there was some kind of correlation between someone once drank it and they they possibly miscarried and so there was something built up about that. Mm-hmm. But I find it interesting in that it, it, they did try to control it. And, and the, the women who often acted as midwives, you know, those who brought life are often seen as the ones who took life within a community and were, were feared and respected for it. Um, and what you get in the, in the witch trials are often women who, 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 you know, inhabited that role, fell foul of the authorities because because they did inhabit that kind of weird, slightly outsidery space where they weren't really of the community, but they were a very necessary part of it. And sometimes communities can really turn upon people like that when things go wrong that they don't quite understand. They know they need them, but also fight against it. So, yeah, I find that that to be a very kind of interesting kind of, again, uh, an outsider's kind of, uh, um, you know, version of life in the Middle Ages and beyond. Uh, yeah, there's loads of stuff. I'll send you a link. I've, I've written an article on, I, uh, as far as I remember, I wrote an article on um, on abortion and contraception in um, in Ireland because, of course, we had a referendum a few years right. ago on abortion. Yes. My inbox was healthy after that one. A lot of people <laughs> are praying for me, which is obviously great. Oh, um, thanks, guys. So, yeah, That's brilliant. Good. Thanks. Um, I'll keep a seat for you in hell. Um, but um yeah so they um are you know because ireland had abortionist saints so saint bridget was was a famous abortionist um who i'm totally telling bridget that my my other best friend uh is don't point to me i'm not bridget (laughs) other jen being one and then there's bridget like yeah whatever (laughs) yeah she's an abortionist bridget uh is she i mean bridget my bridget keeps a cross of saint bridget in her house and she is a She's a liberal, but she can almost out Catholic the Pope. Uh, she's just right. she takes it really seriously. Um, they honeymooned in Ireland. Like she takes Irish Catholic Irish Catholicism very seriously. Wow! And I don't you think could she blow knew. Bridget's world wide open. I'm good. Um, Saint Bridget is in. Yeah, please do. I'll send you the article. You Thank know, you. anytime I can help. So Saint Bridget, who's the premier female saint in Irish in Irish history, there's hagiographies which are lives of the saints um which were written of course after her death um by male writers which is just an interesting aspect of it who included things like <laughs> which are getting rid of a fetus which is nice so a nun got raped and was went to bridget and was like oh you know this is awful and she laid her hands on the uh, on the nun and it disappeared and that was like that's absolutely fine don't worry about that so it's yeah, one of those little miracles. Yeah, we've got, this we've got four. Blowing my Just, mind. Oh, well, what, what baby? What baby? What baby? No, what are you it? talking about? There's no Not baby. Even a what baby? Oh, I might send no, that to my Catholic family. <laughs> yeah, I wrote an article on it, and I got so all kinds of stuff. I can't wait to read this. I we'll share it with our audience too, yeah, guys. We'll make sure we post this for any you. Any and all articles. We I'm sure I, we would love to read. All about saints who are actually abortionists. <laughs> you know what? It's only healthy because Irish people have such a weird view of Ireland. And, and so do Irish Americans. It's like, mate, it's not like that. Back in the day, 
you know, uh, there's, there's hardly any Irish saints who went through the Vatican process. They're all saints by acclamation, especially in the early Middle Ages. All you do is read about them having it off with people or starting wars. And it's like, stop it. These these aren't what you think. You're, the idea of Ireland is not what people think. We're all having a, you know, you could have abortions. So in the Irish, um, like, um, so you get like these penitentials, which are basically lists of sins, which were used for priests. So you go to a priest and you go, oh, you know, I, I told lies or I slept with my neighbor's wife. And you go down his list and go, right, you need to fast for three months yeah right and uh, in it so abortion is is less of a is less of a, a sin than like having adultery people were at it all the time they were oh. always constantly trying to get rid of babies and stuff yeah oh. trying to control our fertility it was like we were all running around having loads of babies it was like christ not another one what am i going to do with this so i'll go and visit my saint see if she can help me out see if she can help but, sister out but this yeah it's the idea uh yeah you know people don't want that and, and within ireland itself people are so wedded to this idea of a holy island and you know saints and sinners and it is so unbelievably not that way we had a legal system where you could have like nine types of marriage where you could get divorced if your husband was too fat i mean what yeah if your husband was too fat for sex you could bin him in the Irish legal system. You're like, yeah, Ireland is amazing. <laughs> Interestingly, they didn't have a version of that for women because it was like, no. Well, I mean, yeah. you know, fat women are really the way men. to go. <laughs> but the thing for men, because it was, it was if he, if, basically they called it that, but it was if he couldn't perform. Right. In him. Um, uh, so, because you were, in, you were entitled to sex as a, as a, as a married woman. Uh, that's the marital contract that's you know the church yeah. said so if you so if he was uh, gay <laughs> okay well that's fair enough um if you went on pilgrimage without your permission you're like get out because um, he cut off your so, d supply he went down yeah, pilgrimage like, without you i need my d do you know what i mean you're like, absolutely that Irish vitamin woman. d is life, crucial life is fucking hard mate do you know what i mean <laughs> I do. need my d uh, yes. oh you're gay get out <laughs> This isn't going to um, work. <laughs> sorry, this is, uh, no, that's not going to work. Um, also, you, it was a system whereby, you know, if you were married and you were like, I love you, uh, but you couldn't have a baby for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so the woman was allowed to go and, and basically live with another man for a year, get a baby and come back. I think that's very convenient. Like a donor system. Yes, yeah. it is. It's like, and then you're back, you're like, I'm with the man I love. I have a baby, job done. Yeah. Uh, so incredibly, really forward thinking. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's completely different for people. People are like, oh, the Irish, you know, they never got divorced. Bullshit. Never got divorced. We were we were up to our eyes in divorce up until the 16th century, which is when everything changed because the Tudors hit Ireland with the Counter-Reformation and everything basically went to pot but until then you people were divorced in left right and center there was you know there's no no such thing as legitimacy in the irish legal tradition you didn't have to be married no one got married very few of them did they just shack up i mean it's basically like now <laughs> we're actually going back to how we should be we're reverting to our true form and um, yeah it's very 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 different so yeah um whole ideas about nationality are about you know stereotypes are not are not true you know the idea of the irish is a 19th century construct and it's thankfully been blown to pieces fascinating yeah 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 we are not very horny people very horny yes unbelievable (laughs) unbelievable shenanigans in the records i mean i used to read them going jesus christ who are these people these are my ancestors calm down shagging about like unbelievable 
Yeah. No well, one's here for a good time, anything. not for a long time. Anything. Yeah, you would though, wouldn't you? You're constantly yeah. at war. You know what I mean? Same yeah. people behave. Well, if your only options are fucking a war, yeah, I know which one I prefer. Yeah, we have we've had enough of war. Do you know what I mean? We're going, we're going, we're going for the shag option every time now. It's the way it works. We're going back to the way things should have been. I think that's only sensible. I I genuinely do. Very sensible, and yet a very horny people. Yes, throughout history. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I should write that your Irish are horny history. That's I. That would be amazing. So I have uh, two friends who are editors, one of whom is an Irish national. They live in Scotland, uh, and they would publish that book. Uh, it's Monstrous I'd Regiment. Literally, I'd, people would step out to my house. <laughs> They'd be like, no, we were busy praying. I'm so glad it's I not just that. America. <laughs> No, but it's interesting. You know, you get all these, um, you get like, oh, you know, um, you get a lot of Irish American politicians who are like awful mm-hmm. and they're really, really right wing and stuff. And they have this weird idea of an Ireland that doesn't exist that they're somehow holding to. And you're like, it was nothing like that. That is your wet dream of an Ireland, mate. And it never existed. So get over yourself. There's so many connections there between uh, the American um, family uh Give me more clues. I need more clues. Hang on. I'm sorry. My brain does this. Like every so often I just short out. Um, you need to read her mind. JFK. Yeah. Oh, the Kennedys. Kennedys. Oh. I need so, one clue. Right. Uh, so the Kennedys are kind of viewed in America as this like idealized family. And the more you idolize them, it shows me how little you actually know about them. The, the they, were, f- they were properly Irish. He was horny as anything. He was shagging anything that moved JFK. Exactly. So he was more like his ancestors than we realized. No right. praying or any of that old crap. Just straight in it with the just women. straight in there. And his father was just as bad. But yeah, he would just, he would lead uh, prostitutes right through his children's playroom on the way up to, uh, you know, have a have a roll in the hay. Say and hello then, to tonight's prostitute kids. That's Say yeah, hello just, to the nice lady. Hello, and yeah. then mom's in the back hello. making a steak for, din- for dinner for afterwards. I'm surprised that mom was cooking. I, I'm amazed. Well, yeah, why would she? I'd be lying she on the sofa drinking tea. Probably had service to do the cooking. <laughs> You'd be just drowning in gin, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, the then he's more like he's more like the uh, actual e- existence of 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 people in Irish society than throughout history than the the more recent one. I mean, what a beautiful you know, reflection, though, of like mythology yeah. and fact, and just following that same line. How cool. Yeah. Well, you know, we were uh, not. I mean, um, the there was all these different types of wives you could have as well. A man could have a principal wife and he could have a secondary wife and all kinds of other ones. There was one one class of uh, wife, which was basically like a, a booty call. It's basically a mate you dropped in on. Yeah, 100%. No, it's really astonishing when you read it. She's like like a weekend wife that you just occasionally visit. <laughs> That's right. what I want to be. I want to be a weekend yeah. wife. That sounds like, all right. You've, no, you've got nothing to worry about. He just turn up and you had some legal protections because you were in the law codes. Um, and then there's other crazy stuff like I mean the actual the actual day to day of it. So really, you know, when when you look at it, you consider people's lives. Nobody would have had, I mean, more than one wife because they couldn't afford it. You sure. might have had big chieftains who had, but like basically no. So it's a it's a legal protection for women who might be dis- discarded, who might have been told they were a wife and not. So it's good for that. But um, yeah, you see, you had all these these protections. So so if you if you had a primary wife and you went. Uh, I actually need a secondary wife now as well, you know, whatever. 
and you brought her back into the house, then there was something like a time period of three days in which the primary wife could beat the shit out of the secondary wife. So you, you could beat the shit out of the secondary wife, but it was subject to limitations. So you weren't allowed to like draw blood or like break her bones, but you could, you know, bash her around and you know form a few bruises and that's the way they thought you could get out any tensions in the household you see so she'd have her go and then all would be fine I'm sure it didn't work out like that actually um but there was that it is a it is a a society in which men men could have more than one wife women couldn't have more than one man would you bother your arse anyway but you could divorce them but then you know there's loads of there's loads of negative and positives too but it's very very different to say other western societies it's a lot of other ones at the time um, this is it's so not what you think mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's quite mad it's really it's really really different no and people aren't aware of it everyone looks at western europe and goes oh right ireland you know it has castles it's just like england it no no, it wasn't. Not at all. Yeah, I, I was tweeting about uh, you can divorce your husband. <laughs> He's fat. And loads of people got on Twitter and were like, I think we should bring that back. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I, th- I think we should petition the Irish government to like reinstate that bad boy. <laughs> or if you're not getting enough D, you can yeah. spin him. Do you if, know what I mean? If he, can't, if he can't bring you to orgasm without like you know, your own input. Uh, yeah, yeah, you should be able to divorce him. I think that should be grounds for divorce. Binned and yeah. have everything straight away. No, no messing about. That's, Just off you go, mate. You Thanks. get three trays. I'll, tra- I'll, yeah. I'll give you three runs at the at the ring. Yeah, uh, but I can't be arsed. <laughs> On to the next one. <laughs> yeah, I think that's only so, sensible. Uh, uh, I think it's a good idea. Well, you know, I mean, it will keep us all happier. I'm just saying. Do you yeah. know what I mean? No, That's orgasms are just as important as best ways. Even if you had to stake unbaptized babies in remote places, sometimes you could get rid of your husband because he couldn't. So, you know, it's pluses and minuses in the Middle Ages. <laughs> it's a spectrum. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? You could meet like a zombie, but also you could be like, actually... Well, I get rid of my husband now because I fucking hate him because he's not giving me the D. Yes. I mean, it's not entirely backwards. <laughs> yeah, good, good as well as bad in the Middle Ages. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is utterly fantastic. I, if you would ever love to come on again, gosh, we'd love to have you. You are every every minute of this has been. It's like a soul sister thing. Like it's been a pure oh. delight. Yeah, you're, no worries. Love to, of course. Yeah. If you're, if you'd like to come back, we'd certainly love to have you. This is been. Of course. Shall I come back and read out spells that people can use? Yes. <laughs> I'd say to people, here's a spell for this. I just it's a very useful thing though, because if you say to people, as I have done, all I need is some of your hair or nail clippings, they go what? And you're like, that's my power right there. <laughs> Don't leave any of your fucking hair anywhere in my house, mate. See, and I'm screwed because I shed like a golden retriever. But if you ever, if you ever, if you ever cross me, then you're fucked because I'll be like, I've got her hair. I'm gonna burn it. <laughs> um, yeah, there's loads of stuff. Um, uh, you know, there's just really odd, 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 odd magical stuff. Really odd people. I think one of my favorite parts is I'll come back and talk about it. But all, all the, all the. Magic, the fear of magic um, in the papacy, they, they used to shit themselves over magic and like really, they used to carry really appalling necromancy, um, like summoning demons and shit like that. Um, and you know, you t- I remember teaching a course on the papacy once and going through it and the whole room was like, what? And I was like, yeah, this isn't even the worst of it, mate. 
wait to read about all the prostitutes in the Vatican. Don't worry about it. I can't wait. <laughs> I, oh yeah, amazing. I I cannot thank you enough. This has been just an absolute delight. Uh, okay, so uh, that will do us for this season. Uh, we'll be back uh, in the fall with more. We, if you want to check us out on Patreon, we're going to be making videos throughout our hiatus. Um, so you can check us out on patreon.com slash this podcast is haunted. You can check us out on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The information is below. But until then, I'm Jen. I'm Kate. I'm Dr. Jillian Kenny. Stay spooky, motherfuckers. Motherfuckers.